Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Inside Carolina contributor Sean Moran. Sean, we are recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so really appreciate you joining me before the big game to talk some UNC hoops, man. No problem, John. Glad to be here and glad it is coming after a win. I think if it was coming after a loss as a 23-point favorite, we would have been uh, not feeling so good, but always nice to get a win after three losses in a row. Absolutely. And we talked about it on the post-game pod between myself and Sherelle that you can always put the caveat that it was Pittsburgh, but the way that Carolina had been playing, they just needed to get a win. And to get that blowout, even after a rocky first start, I think it was an overall positive last night. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, coming in, Pittsburgh had not won a game in the ACC, and they might not win a game in the ACC. So obviously we were expecting a win, but given how the last few weeks had gone, I think this game came at the perfect opportunity. You know, the first half was extremely close for about the first 17 minutes before UNC started pushing the lead away. But it was good in terms of getting Theo Pinson uh, some time at point guard. Cam Johnson continued to play well and really just kind of trying to establish an identity that can ideally be used uh, for the rest of the season. So definitely good to have this game before Duke and kind of this final hard stretch that UNC has going forward. Yeah, and the fact that Carolina was able to pull away in the second half allowed Roy to sit some of the starters. I think Joel Berry played below 30 minutes for might be the first time all season or at least the first time in months. So that's also, I think, a positive that you can look forward to with Duke coming in next week that maybe the starters have a little bit more legs underneath them now. Yeah, you know, Joel Berry played 29 and and Luke and and Cam played 31 and 30 respectively. So that was definitely nice, especially after the, you know, the Clemson game, which was a hard fought battle in the second half. You know, to me, it was kind of interesting in the first half. I actually thought Joel Berry's legs looked a little better than they normally did. You know, when he was his taking his threes, it seemed like he was getting a little more bounce on those shots. And in turn, they weren't coming up short like a lot of his shots had been over the past few weeks, but maybe that was just kind of a carryover from his his hot play against Clemson in the second half. Yeah, Joel definitely came alive there. I think he ended up shooting four of eight from three, so it was definitely good to see him start getting those shots to go down. And we'll look ahead to the Duke game a little bit later on in this podcast. What I really wanted to talk with you about, Sean, was the developments that have happened with EJ Montgomery. For those who may not know who EJ is, he is a top 10 prospect in the 2018 class. He is a power forward. He recently was offered by Roy Williams after Zion Williamson elected to go to Duke. And I believe his offer came, was it just this past Friday, Sean? Yeah, just this past week. So I think we've been been talking about EJ Montgomery on the podcast the past two weeks, and it's been kind of a extremely fast progression. But after 
uh, Zion chose Duke. And, you know, I think, you know, some of what we did see in the Clemson game when, when Theo was out and, you know, there's no longer Felton wasn't playing. And when Barry was out, you start started to see some of that, you know, lack of five-star talent at times. And I don't know if that pushed Roy to move a little quicker, but with EJ's season winding down, he got out there on Friday and, and watched the game in person. And now there's a, there's a scholarship offer and a uh, visit coming up for the, for the Notre Dame game for EJ. So things have been, been moving quickly, but, you know, for everybody that loves recruiting, always, always fun to, to see and get to follow another, another top kid as he, as he goes through the process. And just a little bit of background for EJ. He is out of Marietta Wheeler High School. That's in Georgia. And as Sean mentioned, he will be in Chapel Hill for the February 12th game against Notre Dame. Now, I have not watched too much film on EJ. I know that he's listed at 6'10", and he's kind of been labeled as that stretch four. Carolina really hasn't had that position. It's It's been a while, honestly. I mean, Henson kind of was that four, but his outside shot never really completely developed. So I don't know if Roy has had a, a has recruited a prospects like EJ for some time. Yeah, you know, EJ is definitely an, an interesting prospect. And I, I think in one of Sorrell's tidbits this week, he kind of mentioned the Luke May kind of comparison about the stretch four. But in terms of EJ, you know, he started his high school career off as somebody that would rather just shoot you know, the 15-foot jump shot. He was tall, really skinny, and kind of had a Tayshawn Prince-type body. And I was able to go back and watch the game that he played on Friday that, that Roy was in attendance, and he had 15 points, 17 rebounds. But I kind of noticed, you know, he spent a lot of time posting up a lot of his baskets. I think five of his baskets came off off dunks, either tip dunks or kind of passes off a lane as he was cutting through. Um, so he was really playing in the post and didn't really step out a whole lot to shoot the jump shot. But obviously through AAU and and as people have seen him play, he, he has that capability. So given his length and size and touch, you know, I think it's definitely um, an interesting, interesting prospect of, of how he would fit in at Carolina. You know, when when I was watching him, a few other things really stuck out to me. One of the ones, you know, some of what we've been seeing Luke may do, but basically getting getting the defensive rebound and either pushing it up himself or, or taking one or two dribbles and and throwing a long pass to kind of start the fast break. So that was really kind of a positive positive sign for me. And one other thing was even in the half court set, how unselfish he was. He didn't really take any bad shots, and he did have good vision uh, looking to kick it to open shooters or, or cutters. So you know, despite him being a top ten player, didn't have really that selfish gene in his body. Now, was EJ one of the kids that he started off playing guard and then hit that growth spurt, kind of like we saw with Kobe White? So he may have a little bit of, of the mentality to start that break, handle the ball a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know when he, he grew, if that was a steady progression or kind of a growth spurt. But even when he was a freshman, he was about about six seven, six eight, And, you know... It, He's still thin, but even thinner than he was. And he always had kind of that fluidity. So it wasn't something that he's had to work on or get better at. That's kind of seems to have always come natural to him where he's been able to put the ball on the floor and, and step out for the jump shot. And, and now that he's added some strength and size, comfortable posting up. And, you know, one of the things in the game, which I hadn't really seen on the AU circuit was you know, after a tip dunk or after uh, getting fouled, he had a little bit of of aggression of of either getting in the opponent's face at at times or 
showing some emotion, which I hadn't really seen before. So I think, you know, with his added strength, he's gotten a lot more confident and, and now can play both inside and out where before it was just more of kind of floating around the, around outside the paint. And then talking about his recruitment itself, the podcast that you mentioned, we talked about EJ on a couple of weeks ago, you said that, you know, there might be a connection to the state of North Carolina in his family and that, you know, it was kind of a wait and see if UNC was going to be involved with him. So now that Carolina has extended the offer, Roy Williams has seen him in person. And I think most importantly, he has a visit planned to Chapel Hill. Do you see Carolina as being, you know, in the mix for him? Yeah, I definitely think uh, they're going to be in the mix given the offer and the visit and kind of the attention that Roy is now paying to him. I think we've seen that over the past few years of, you know, some of these these high profile guys that that wait till the end and the kind of excitement and, you know, tenseness really starts to build, whether it's Wiggins or Ingram or Jalen Brown or or Knox. And, you know, UNC hasn't come out on top in any of those uh, recruitments, but you know if you're not if you're not trying, then you you really have no chance. So I think it's a good good for UNC that they're that they're in the mix. And you mentioned kind of the the Carolina connection. And I finally, thanks to Rob Harrington, both of EJ's parents played at NC Central, I believe. So that was the the Carolina connection. You know, as we mentioned last week, Duke will be a will be a player as as they are trying to target him. I'm not really sure how he would fit in their their grand scheme of things but they're going to be a player and Kentucky was watching him so it's going to you know just kind of be very similar to these recruitments that we've seen in the spring the past few years of you know these big blue bloods plus some other local schools and it's going to be you know probably come down to four or five schools and you know nobody will know which way it's going to go but as we've seen before, Roy Williams, he'll, put, he'll do everything he can to, to get in the mix and, and not leave any stones unturned. Yeah, and like you said, even though Carolina has not had these recruitments break their way, you still have to at least try. I mean, that's my opinion, but I think Roy would share that as well, seeing as how he continues to target these top 10 kids and really go after them with everything that he's got. And especially when you're looking at someone like Montgomery, who would fit Carolina's scheme, I mean, his coach even had a couple quotes alluding to that. And given that he would fit a position on the Heels roster right now where they just don't have a lot of depth at the power forward spot. I mean, it's Luke May and Theo Pinson in a pinch, but that's not really ideal for Roy's system. So I think it's it's an, a recruitment that even if the Heels may not be ultimately successful, it's like you said, if you don't try, then you're guaranteed not to get the kid. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely definitely worth it to continue the recruitment process. And, you know, one thing I was worried about initially was would UNC be knocked for really not not going after EJ sooner, either before he committed to Auburn or, or even afterwards. But, you know, with Duke and other schools get in, in there, I think every, for the most part, they're all in the same boat. So I don't think that's a negative against UNC. And I think, you know, right now, Luke May will be coming back as a senior. So he kind of plays that that stretch four position, but I think it could either add depth to that or depending on how Manly or, or Brooks really progress, you know, just give them another another guy with size that that has talent and skill to to play and compete. And the ability to put the ball in the basket, I mean, Manly definitely has shown that. And so if you can put two post players 
in like the second unit, so to say, that can actually score. I mean, that just gives Roy a lot more to use in games against ACC caliber opponents. Right, which is, as we've seen, definitely definitely necessary and, and something uh, the team is, is probably lacking a little bit this year. It's definitely been a lack of consistency, I would say. It, it was good, though, to see um, Manley and Brooks both put up 10 points coming off the bench against Pittsburgh. And I'll use that to bring us into the final part where we're gonna, going to look ahead to the Duke game a little bit. So, as I mentioned, Carolina did get 20 points combined from their two freshman bigs. That, along with the heels shooting, I believe it was a little bit above 40% from three for the game. When you are looking at the performance, and yes, again, it was against Pitt, but do you think that that's encouraging to see, knowing that the competition level is going to go up tenfold when Duke comes into Chapel Hill? Yeah, I mean, the, the competition level is definitely going to go up, especially with Duke coming off a huge upset loss to to St. John's. but. With Duke, it's it's not, a would say, a traditional Duke team in that they really rely on Bagley and Carter, two bigs, uh, which usually kind of is how Carolina likes to play. So I think Manley and or Brooks will have a, you know, depending on how the game goes, they'll have a big, big part in the outcome. You know, perhaps it's only only one that does well or, or per- perhaps both of them have have success. But I think they'll definitely be seen playing time just given the strength and size that both Bagley and Carter have and you know one thing to watch is you know this is normal for UNC but atypical for Duke but is how strong both of these teams are on the offensive boards uh Duke is number one in the country in offensive rebounding efficiency and Carolina is number three Carolina does a lot better on the on the defensive board so I think we've seen over the past few years Carolina just dominate Duke on the boards to get second chance points and both Manley and Brooks can play can play a part in in that and trying to get extra possessions for the team. And then looking at the lineups, do you think that Roy may try the small ball lineup a little bit, which I would imagine would see Luke May match up against Bagley? Do you think that that might be something Carolina fans can expect to see on Thursday? Yeah, I would be surprised if, you know, the starting lineup would change. So I I think we will see that. And I would imagine Duke will try to go inside right away to either pick up some fouls or get some easy baskets. So it'll be definitely a, a chess match between between Roy and Kay to see the different styles. But, you know, at the same time on the offensive end, you know, neither Bagley nor Carter is known for their defensive abilities and, and Luke May shooting about fifty percent from the three point line in conference play. And, you know, Cam Johnson has has really upped his level of play to what I think a lot of people were were hoping for this season as he as he gets more comfortable. So he's going to have kind of the flexibility to have a little more creativity off the dribble, or maybe have a little more space on his on his three point shots. Granted, I could see Duke playing a decent amount of zone just to kind of negate that. But one thing for Cam in in the past two games, the Clemson and then Pittsburgh was was how much his usage rate had increased in the two losses before Virginia Tech and NC State is around seventeen eighteen percent. And then it jumped up to about 35 for the Clemson game and then 25% for the Pittsburgh game. And given how talented he is and, and his shooting ability, I think that's, you know, 35% is a little too high. But it, the, the 20% number I, I like, and I, I hope he's starting to find his role with the team as, as a shooter and also somebody that can kind of drive uh, given the opportunity. So if Carolina is going to beat Duke, which Tar Heel player do you think must have 
a good game in order to make that happen? I'm going to go, well, say you I'm going to go. Yeah, you can say more than one guy if yeah. you need to. <laughs> well, I, number one, I think, is Theo Pinson. Really liked how he has played the last two games that he has played. Uh, Clemson, unfortunately, he only played the first few minutes before going out. And, and if he had been in, I think that could have been a huge difference maker. But something we talked about a few weeks ago was was trying to see him more at the point guard position. And we got to see that you know, yesterday. And I think just given his passing ability and also his ability to get to the basket and get fouled and put the pressure on the defense, I think will be a huge, huge part because we know Duke likes to pressure you and they like to overpressure. And while Barry can, can get by and get to the basket at times, he doesn't have that kind of passing vision that Theo does. So I think you know, an ideal stat line is what we've seen from Theo the past two la- two games where he's getting, you know, 10 boards. So he's, he's get, getting the defensive rebound, pushing the ball up the court, getting the assist. I don't think it's really important in terms of scoring for him. You know, I think eight to 10 points, getting, getting some layups, some dunks, getting to the free throw line is important, but it's really going to be his defensive ability. And then also him putting pressure on Duke's defense and creating shots for Barry on the, on the perimeter, as well as Kenny Williams and, and Cam Johnson. See, I think that the key to the game is really going to be Joel Berry. I mean, he is the heart and soul of the team. I think Theo actually might be the most important player if you look at all the ways that he contributes. But the team just seems to go how Joel goes. If he's having a rough game, it kind of just permeates through the rest of the players. But if he can drive to the to the basket, get those shots, and then hit some threes, I think you might just see the rest of the guys feed off that confidence and really believe that they can beat this Duke team. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the energy in the stadium is going to be electric. We know how the Dean Dome gets for, for the Duke game, especially at night. So it'll be going nuts. You know, other things I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, hopefully Kenny Williams, you know, he had been struggling for a while, but made three three-pointers against Pittsburgh. And, and really on a shot, you know, when he, when he was struggling, a lot of times he's fading to his left, fading to his right fading back but his shot looked good straight up and down and Luke May has been you know great against the teams in the ACC that are probably not tournament teams and has struggled at times against length and and some of the top uh, competition so if he can put together a you know a 20 and 10 type Luke May performance that's going to bode bode very well for the Tar Heels and we'll end with this how important do you think it is that Carolina has the guys who have been through these games before. I mean, if you look at Carolina's starting lineup, everyone has played Duke multiple times. Meanwhile, Duke is starting Carter, who's only played twice, and then obviously Bagley and their freshman point guard. This is going to be their first time experiencing a UNC game. Now, obviously, they do have Grayson Allen still, but do you think that experience might come into play during this game? I would like to say yes, but as we've seen in the past, the, the freshman laden Duke team, they, they have had success against UNC, even when they you know might not have been as good. So I wouldn't be surprised maybe initially that it does, but just given you know some of the size advantages that Duke could have, I think that could settle them down. But you know, at the end of the game, when you have Barry and Pinson, you know, two guys that have been in back to back championship games, hopefully that does make a difference. But It'll definitely be a fun one to watch, just given, you know, the talent levels of, of both teams and, and the rivalry. And, you know, for, for Barry and Allen, you know, they played AAU together and this will be one of their, their last matchups in, in kind of their, their career. So 
it'll definitely be a fun one. Hopefully it, it comes out with a UNC victory, but a lot of things will need to go right. But hopefully that pit game got everybody clicking on the right cylinder. Yeah, if there was ever a need for a pick-me-up game, it was this past Saturday against Pitt. And we'll go ahead and close this one out. Sean, really appreciate you joining me for this one, man. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Okay, you too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.